Hello everybody and welcome back to another chapter episode. Last chapter, Ruby arrived and was really angry at Scarlet and Peril, obviously because they stole her throat and kidnapped her son. Anyways, and then at the very end of the, it was a pretty short chapter, but at the very end of the chapter, um, one of her soldiers asked Peril who Clay was, and obviously we know who Clay is, but Peril somehow didn't. So that's kind of like a bit of confusion and we'll figure out maybe why in the next couple of chapters. So, let's get started. Chapter 15, Wings of Fire, Escaping Peril. In the silence that fell, the only sound was Ruby inhaling sharply. It's a spell, she said. What did you do to her? She whirled towards Scarlet. Behind her, in the huddle of skywing guards who were now flapping and whispering among themselves, Peril saw two of them slip out into the sky and wheel around to fly south. They were up to something, she couldn't imagine what it might be, so she decided she didn't need to point them out to the queen, who was in any case quite busy giving Ruby an exaggerating, shocked expression. I didn't do anything at all, Scarlet protested, batting her wings airily. Peril is my most loyal subject, just as she has always been. That's why she's my champion, and you are going to be dead soon. Peril will never forget, just forget about Clay, said Ruby. How did you erase him from her brain? What kind of horrible animus touch object did you get your, your claws on? Hey, I'm not under a spell, Peril interjected. I just don't know who you're talking about. I don't have a great memory. No need to get all smoky and bothered. On the other side of Queen Scarlet, orange scales moved, and Peril remembered that her father was there listening. Her father. Clay is the dragon who changed you, Ruby said, at least according to you. He's one of the dragonets from the prophecy that who ended the war. Remember, you met in the arena. You saved his life in the kingdom of sand when a dragon bite viper bit him. He's, she stopped and looked down at her tongues. He's the only dragon who was willing to give you a second chance. Well, there's me, Scarlet said smoothly. The dragon who gave you your first chance and never required a second. That's all you really need to remember. I'm the one who cares about you. That sounded true and not true. Wait, this turtle, Peril blurted. That was one of the dragons she could think of who'd ever been friendly to her. He laughed at her jokes, even the ones that Peril hadn't done on purpose. She remembered that. And hang on, why would Turtle be friends with her if she really was Scarlet's dangerous weapon? He liked me, with my fire skills, but without my queen. Who's Turtle? Her father said tensely. He glanced at the Queen Scarlet. You never mentioned anyone named Turtle. Anyway, Scarlet said, we were in the middle of a wonderful, wonderfully peaceful transfer of power. Ruby, dear, since obviously I can't trust you anymore, I'm going to have to lock you up until I figure out what to do with you. I'm picturing some kind of grand ceremonial execution. Maybe to celebrate turning my arena back into my arena the way it's supposed to be. But Cliff, Ruby started, he'll be fine, Scarlet said, safe with his loving grandmother, for now, at least until this whole misunderstanding is quite cleared up and the balance of power is right back to where it should be. Guards, she added commandingly, take Ruby to the prison in the Great Hall, the one where we keep, where we kept Kestrel, lock her in and then notify all the cowards in this palace that it's time to come out and swear their alliance to me. There was a long, dreadful pause that felt like someone was was taking a dragon wing and stretching and stretching, stretching it just beyond its extension. Scarlet hissed dangerously. 
Or, she said, we can all watch this little prince burn to death, followed by every disobedient dragon in this room. Do as she says, Ruby turned to the soldiers behind her. Whatever it takes to keep Cliff safe. You two, I want to... You two, I want you to be the ones to lock me up. But your majesty, one of them began, then stopped as Ruby shook her head. It's done, she said. Let go, let's go. Cliff, I love you, little one. Don't be scared. You're still going to change the world, all right? The dragonette nodded his wings, nodded, his wings drooping forlornly. He looked back at Peril. Can I give mommy a hug? He whispered. I think she needs a hug. Carol shook her head. Sorry, little friend. Cliff watched Ruby walk out of the throne room, her head held high, and he did a little shake of his wings as if he was trying to imitate her stance. Clear out! Scarlet snarled at the soldiers. I don't want to look at you anymore. Someone muttered, feeling as mutual, as most of the scabbings filed out. The one muttering gave Carol an anguished look as he followed them. Try to remember, Clay, he said. Please. Soon they were gone and Peril was left alone with Queen Scarlet and the little prince and her father. Who is Clay? she asked the queen. Should I remember him? Do you? Scarlet shrugged. Barely. He's some nobody who thinks he's a hero. Don't worry about it. They seemed really sure that I knew him, Peril said slowly. Ruby said I saved his life, but I don't remember ever saving anyone's life. I would definitely remember that, wouldn't I? Maybe she got you confused with some other dragon, Scarlet said. This conversation is ever so boring. I'm going to tour the place, the palace, to see what other damage my dreadful daughter has done. Vermilion? The red dragon poked his head in the door immediately, as if he'd been hovering across of a way. Yes? Are my prisoner towers still in place, at least? Scarlet demanded. Er, he said, ah. Uh, I'll take that. I'll take it. That's a no, she said. She let out an enormous, aggrieved sigh. Those took ages to build, and they were genius. I'm going to have to kill at least seven disloyal traitors to cheer myself up. Fine, you two, she barked at Peril and Chameleon. Take this dragonette to the tallest spire of the palace and stick him on the highest ledge you can find. Wait, lizard, can you fly yet? My name is my name isn't lizard. It's Quiff, said the prince boldly, and. Not so much. I practice lots, but I fall lots too. Good, said the queen. As long as he can't fly away, he'll be stuck up there. Keep an eye on him until I get back. She started, She swept out of, the, out of the throne room with Vermilion, leaving Peril with the bewildering impression that the queen had just run away from an awkward conversation. Chameleon picked up Prince Cliff and perched him on his back. Hold on tight, he said. The prince obligingly threw his arms and wings around Chameleon's neck and buried his face. They flew out of the open wall and soared in a circle for a moment, assessing the palace. Purely realized that the tall spire she could see was a chimney for, from the crematorium, a long, long tower that carried the smoke of burning bodies as high and far away from the rest of the palace as possible. But sitting on top of it would put them right in the middle of the smoke and smells, and Peril had a feeling that might be a little traumatizing for the cliff. Plus, not so much fun for her and Chameleon, either. So instead, she chose a second tall spire, a lookout for a guards near the outer wall of the palace. At the top of the tower was a p small pavilion with a room for five or six dragons to fit comfortably. A shallow hole in the floor 
was intended as a fire pit for heating the tower when it was cold or for cooking prey. The walls were open on all sides, but the position of the tower was clearly directed west to watch attacks from ice wings or sand wings. Clid Cliff slid off Chameleon's back and began to prowl around the pavilion. There's nothing to play with here, he complained. Use your imagination, Chameleon said unsympathetically. The prince snorted, flicked his tail at the fire pit, and curled up in a small ball with his wings flopped out on either side. If his intention was to make a point by sulking, it didn't last long, because he was asleep a few minutes later. Peril sat at the edge of the tower and looked down at the sky palace. It still seemed very quiet. Usually there were dragons flying from tower to tower or coming in with reports or sailing out with messages. Usually the palace fluttered with activity and wing beats, fill filling the air. But not today. Today an eerie stillness stuffed the clouds. The mountain peaks looked frozen in time. Where was everyone? A light ray began to fall. Peril glanced up and saw dark storm clouds rolling in, thickening the fog around the palace spires. The daylight had a smoky green tinge to it, as if the sky, too, knew that something was wrong. Something was unbalanced in the world below. Even the sky rejects the old queen, she thought. The sky itself chooses Ruby. She shook out her wings, trying to dislodge the unfaithful thought. How are you feeling, daughter? Melian asked. Peril glanced at him, wondering whether she should call him sore while he was disguising, or if it was right to keep just one name in her head for him. He was fiddling with his sheath on his chest, as though he was trying to avoid her eyes. Great, Peril said. She stretched her wings, her safe, untouchable wings, and thought for a moment. Was she still feeling great? She'd been so happy yesterday, but the pretending and the hatred from Ruby and Cliff's drooping wings and this weird feeling of holes in her brain, it was all kind of making her happiness flicker and dim. A little worried, she admitted. Don't listen to those other dragons, said Camillion. You're essentially the second in command of this palace. I wish I'd have that much power in my tribe. I'd have made everyone regret every moment of disrespect, every mocking laugh and disgusting whis and disgusted whisper. Why were you mocked? Peril asked. I thought Raymond's were all mellow and calm and friendly and sleepy all the time. <laughs> Camillion said bitterly. As long as you aren't too different, sure. But I had the one problem the tribe couldn't understand. I can't change my scales. You saw my rainbow color. When I'm rainbowing, I'm stuck that way. The same green all the time, no camouflage, no flamboyant emotional outbursts, no self-absorbed displays of clever special effects. I could never play their little rainbowing games. <laughs> oh, Peril said. Weren't there any other rainbows like you? Not in living memory, he said. The healers guessed that it was because of my sleep problem. As myself, I can never sleep for longer than a few minutes at a time, an hour at most. They thought it affected my scale-shifting abilities, but knowing that didn't help. Everyone still teased me, and then whispered about me, and then avoided me. Finally, the queen banished me, saying I was making everyone uncomfortable, and perhaps there's a better trap for me, for me outside the rainforest somewhere. Ouch, Peril said. That seems really unfair to throw you out for something you couldn't control. Exactly, he said. He brooded for a moment, staring down at the flog with hooded eyes. And then he let out a bark of laughter that made Prince Cliff shiver in his sleep. The joke's on them, on them though, isn't it? What I can do now, my shape-shifting power, it's far more magnificent camouflage than anything a mere raiming could accomplish. He held out his orange talons to admire, having softly with pride. Pearl studied him out of the corner of her eye, 
wishing she could think of a clever sideways way to find out what she wanted to know. But that wasn't her, clever or sideways. How does it work? She finally asked. Flying at the question directly was the only way she could think of, of to attack it. How did you get your shape-shifting powers? He flicked his tail and looked at her, thoughtfully. Peril tried to arrange her face to look deeply, immensely trustworthy. Not even Scarlet knows this, he whispered. He glanced back at the prince, who was fast asleep. A quiver of excitement ran through Peril. A secret! She never got to be the only dragon who knew a secret. Oh, I forgot to tell Queen Scarlet about the sea wing having an animus. Okay, later. I'll have to remember next time I see her. You can tell me, she whispered back. There's no one I would tell anyways. Not even Queen Scarlet, he asked. She shook her head. You're my father, she said. You changed my skills and made me safe and normal. My loyalty is to you first, her second. Hmm, he said. Very interesting. You have a stronger personality than most, um, most dragons I've met. She wondered what he'd been about to say. Most what? This is one of the many things most dragons don't like about me, she admitted. I like it, he said. It's something we have in common. He touched the metal sheath around his chest, fiddling with the lock for a moment before it clicked open. Inside the sheath were two things, a small pouch that seemed to be full of coins and jewelry, and a scroll wrapped in a black leather binding. Chameleon laid them carefully on the stone between him and Peril, shifting so their backs were to cliff, and spreading his wings so the prince wouldn't see the objects if he woke up. He tapped the pouch first. And here are all are my are my other shapes, each piece enchanted with someone new. All my beautiful faces. I can take on and off whenever I want to. I have one for each tribe. You've met one of them before, actually. I have, Peril said, her scales prickling. Cirrus, the Icewing, remember him? Queen Scarlet's spy in the Talons of Peace. Perfect, because there are so few Icewings in the Talons that they never figure out how little I knew, or that I've never been to an Ice Kingdom. I made him cold and calculating, and not much of a talker. That's when you first found out about me, Peril realized. The conversation about Kestrel, you were standing right in front of me. Yeah, he said. Scarlet has sent me to find out if the towns knew where the dragonettes weren't. The ones who stole her prisoner? They didn't, of course. The towns have always been remarkably useless, in my opinion, apart from gathering the dragonettes of the prophecy and giving Cirrus excuses to practice killing. <laughs> he spoke casually, but his words sent a chill down Peril's spine. He was looking for Moon and Kibley and Winter. Would he have killed them if he found them? Would I kill them now if Queen Scarlet told me to? She found at her claws, hearing the echo in her head again. I don't kill dragons anymore. But why? But why? But why? And then I followed you, Chameleon went on without noticing her distraction. He touched the pouch again and followed me. In my Nightwing form, that's one of my favorites, I call myself Shapeshifter. Isn't that the perfect Nightwing name? A bit on the nose. Peril offered. Exactly, he said. Like all Nightwing names, I'm quite proud of that shape. And then you found me, she said. But I still don't understand how you made these shapes at all. Now he touched the scroll, carefully, reverently. This, he whispered, is it's the strongest magic in the world. He undid the binding and slowly rolled the scroll open. As he did, Peril could see that the first third of the scroll had writing on it, while the rest of the scroll was big. Blank. I've never read the whole thing, he said. I still don't really like reading. I had to find someone to teach me to read so I could understand the scroll in the first place. Then I only had to read the beginning to realize what I could do. Chameleon rolled it to the end, where it looked like someone on the 
some of the scroll had been torn out. And then I had to learn how to write, he said wryly. That was frustrating. Pearl remember Osprey teaching her how to read and write, although she couldn't hold a scroll or any writing instrument, so it didn't do her very much good. She could read street signs and scrape up messages in the sand if necessary. That was about it. Oh, she realized. That can all be different now. Without fire scales, I could read every scroll in the world if I wanted to. That cheered her up quite a, a lot. She leaned toward the scroll, giving her father her eager attention. I write my enchantment here, Camillion said, brushing the paper over the claw. I describe the shape I want to shift into, writing the magic into the piece of paper. Then I tear off the part of the scroll and hide it somewhere. Usually an item of jewelry, like a necklace or a bracelet. Or an ear, Peril said, suddenly remembering a dismembered head changing shape in front of her. Where was that? Uh, yes, he said. Only that once, though. I don't use this very often. I've told Queen Scarlet that I have a limited animus power to transfer dragons, and that's dangerous for me to do it very much. I don't want her to know about the scroll. Why not? Peril asked. He looked at her in alarm, and she added quickly, Don't worry, I still won't tell her, but why would you help her as much as you do and not tell her everything? If she knew about this, he said, she would take it away from me. He started to roll up the scroll again. Um, once she didn't need me anymore, she would probably kill me. Besides, I want to be in charge of what the scroll does. It's mine. If Queen Scarlet knew I had unlimited power, she'd make me do much more terrible things than anything I've ever done so far. He stopped and looked at Peril. I'm not an evil dragon, Peril. I like the security of having a queen who will pay me handsomely for my services, and I love the luxuries of so much treasure, but I'm not going to give anyone all this power, especially not Queen Scarlet. I'm much too smart for that. Oh, Peril said. Her mind was spinning a little. Was he implying that Peril wasn't smart? Would she have given Scarlet that scroll without even thinking about it? Wasn't that what loyalty was? And if he didn't trust Scarlet completely, why help her at all? Have you done anything else with the scroll? She asked. I mean, couldn't you use it to make your own treasure somehow instead of waiting for Scarlet to pay for you? Camillian opened his mouth and closed it and blinked at her for a moment. Suppose I could, he said slowly. Scarlet hired me before I'd gotten very far with using the scroll. She caught me transforming and gave me the opportunity of explaining how I did it or coming to work for her. I chose option B, obviously, and I haven't wanted to do anything risky that she might find out about. I have a nice life, though, he said quickly. And and so can you... I have a nice... I have a very nice life, though, he said quickly. And so can you, once this kingdom is all sorted out, will be her right claw dragons, and then we'll be together. Maybe you can help me come up with clever uses for the scroll. It... It'll be nice to have family, at least. Yes, Pal agreed. Family. That sounded amazing, actually. She barely had a chance to meet Kestrel before her mother... Before her... Before she died. And if there were any other dragons related to her in the Sky Palace, they never introduced themselves. But something new was starting to bother her. Wait, she said. If you're the one who's been helping Queen Scarlet all along, does that mean you're the one who put Kangaju in the hospital? Camillion stared at her for a long moment, the muscle in his jaw tensing and moving like little snakes crawling over one another. He picked up the scroll and the pouch, looking looking them back and locking them back in his chest sheath before answering. You mean the Raymond who was traveling with the Ice Wing Prince? he said finally. She's not dead. 
You actually were trying to kill her? Pearl said appalled. Really? She's just a dragonette. She's a rain wing, he hissed. She'd laugh at me just as much as any of her tribe if she'd ever met me before I found out my power. Wow, Pearl said. She tried to picture the tiny, bright-colored rain wing. I've never met anyone who hated raymonds before. They're so inoffensive. It's like hating caterpillars. I'm not terribly fond of caterpillars either, Chameleon observed. Nasty, crawly things. All dragons, Pearl thought. I should be the one who could understand furry and ven fury and vengeance and wanting to lash out whenever someone hurts me. He's my father, and she's a dragonette. I don't even know. I should be on his side. But still, it seemed as brutal and necessary as the idea of hurting the little skywing prince. She glanced over her shoulder at Cliff, or rather she at the space where Cliff used to be. She rolled around, her eyes tearing apart the empty pavilion, but there was no mistake. The skywing prince was gone.